Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast. This podcast currently does not have a name, so yeah. Who am I? Who is your podcaster? Question mark. Um, your podcaster is a 22-year-old woman who is trying to pass university, but is struggling because she chose a major that is the hardest subject for her. Um, I am currently a fifth year at a university in Canada, and I'm trying to get through genetics, and I'm also trying to get through organic chemistry. This podcast will mostly focus on genetics because that is the one I am most struggling with. The point of this podcast is I am hoping that by teaching everyone that's listening, aka myself, um, and maybe others, who knows, um, genetics. Or what I'm going to, what I'm learning in genetics, in hopes that teaching others will help me learn it way better. Um, I used to use this method in high school a lot, and it's pretty much what made me cruise through high school with really good grades. I didn't realize that at the time, but I've realized that now, and that was what my love for teaching came from. Um, that makes it sound like I want to be a teacher, and I used to, but two years ago I changed my major to be a biology major which I want to do. It's not going great though. So hopefully this will work. Um, so this specific podcast you're listening to at this exact moment is going to focus on genetics. Uh, I'm going to focus on chapter one of my textbook and chapter one of what we're discussing in lecture, and we will see how it goes. Chapter one. All right. Chapter one really focuses on history of genetics, um, which my class is not very focused on. But I think it's important to help ground a basis of what I'm learning. So we're going to go through it very quickly. Um, First is my favorite theory of all time, blending theory of inheritance. It's so easy to understand. I love it. The best example of it is height. It's basically the blending of both traits. So let's say you have a short person, you have a tall person, you should have a medium person. If you got someone with big feet, you got someone with small feet, you should have a medium sized foot. If you got someone with small feet, someone with small feet, you should get small feet. It's amazing and I wish that's all that genetics was. It is not. Um, See, this guy named Mendel came along and was like, hey, no. Um, He bred some pea flowers together uh, one that was purple, one that was white, and discovered that, like, it was, like, 90% purple. Um, and, like, 10%... What is it? White. And he realized, which I don't think I would have figured out, um, that everything has two genes. And when the baby comes along, like, gametes... Um, each gamete will get one copy of the genes from each parent. That's not too bad. Um, I don't think I would have figured that out, but he got it, which is pretty good for him. So that means that genes have two things. They have a dominant gene and a recessive gene. Um, I'm going to switch to traits because I think it's easier to understand. So a dominant trait, okay, this is where it all begins, the chaos. Maybe for you, dominant and recessive is easy, but for me, it is not. It wasn't until I kind of figured out how it worked. So something I was told, which made it so confusing, is dominant is not always dominant. What does that even mean? I still don't know. But here's what I do know. Is if you look at it with 
the big A, little b. We're going to do two different letters because you can't see. So just saying A and B is easier. A is dominant, B is recessive. Dominant is a, if you have AA and AB, you will still see A's trait. If you have, but for recessive, if you have AB or BB, you will only see the recessive trait in BB. Therefore, A is dominant, B is recessive. Um, the way I like to think of it is dominant shows up in doubles, doesn't have to show up in doubles, while recessive must show up in a double. My favorite way to think of it. Um, now, this doesn't work for all traits because we have this, back to the example I talked about, we have this cool thing called height and feet size and other sizes. Um, and obviously they're very variable. And so this guy named Fisher came up with this idea called the multifactorial hypothesis. So it is a hypothesis that works for continuous variables like height and it's controlled by multiple Mendelian genes. This is where my downfall began in genetics. I never really got the idea of Mendelian genes. Um, so let's go on our journey together and learn what a Mendelian gene is. Because I still don't know. And the point of this podcast is to learn. So what is a Mendelian gene? Because the textbook I read pretty much is like, oh yeah, there's multiple Mendelian genes. Next. Um, which isn't helpful. <laughs> I don't know what a Mendelian gene is. So in case you know what it means, Mendelian gene is also known as a discrete unit gene, which doesn't help me much. But it might help you, so that's important. Why is there nothing that comes up with a Mendelian gene? Like, are we just supposed to know this? Like, if you Google what is a Mendelian gene, you know what you get? Mendelian inheritance. I don't need to know what a Mendelian inheritance is. I need to know, ooh, I haven't watched that yet. I need to know what Mendelian genes are. All I get is Mendelian genetics. And this is where my downfall began because what is a Mendelian gene? So from what I'm understanding from this one article from Georgia Institute of Technology, when you first Google it, um, basically what we just talked about where there's a dominant gene and there's a recessive gene, that is a Mendelian gene. Next thing that gets brought up is the one gene to one enzyme hypothesis. What is that? Oh, okay. So the one gene to one enzyme hypothesis, according to Khan Academy, which is very, I love Khan Academy, best site ever, is the idea that each gene encodes a single enzyme. That's pretty good. So every gene has one enzyme. That's pretty easy. I'm happy with that. All right, next the textbook goes through something that I think I understand very well. So I'll explain this quickly without the textbook. Um, ooh, picture, picture. Okay, I'm gonna stare at this picture as I explain it. So basically DNA has rungs like a ladder um, and each rung has a connection. Um, if you don't know what DNA looks like, I guess, it is a double helix. I can't explain it any better than that. Google a picture. Um, and each rung has either A, C, T, or G, which is A is adenine. I gotta go back up. A is adenine, T is thymine, G is guanine, and C is cytosine. But sometimes there's also U, which is uracil. But I think that's for RNA. Um, 
It is for RNA. So ACTG, I like to go ATCG because ACTG sounds better, but ATCG is what you need to remember. A always connects to T, C always connects to G. And it also has these, I think they're called phosphorus bonds. Yeah, it is made, and the connection between ATCG is um, phosphate groups. Sugar and phosphate groups. All right, here's another thing that really got me. Regulatory elements control gene expression. So according to the textbook, it says it's just whether or not the gene is turned on or off. Okay, so here's what I had learned from class that I was trying to figure out that I recognized, but whatever. All right, so genes have regulatory encoding regions. This means that proteins are making sure that only a certain amount of RNA is being produced under specific conditions. Um, I don't know what the point of it is, because we didn't talk about that. Well, the slides don't talk about that, so I don't know. Also, a mutation is a variation of a gene. Um, this took me a while to understand. So, DNA never changes. It will never change on its own, unless a mutation occurs, which can be caused by errors in replication, proofreading, and just exposure to mutants in to mutagens mutagens such as like x-rays what else is there radiation stuff like that um a mutation is when the gene is whenever dna changes if there is something different about dna from the last dna that was replicated it's a mutation and that is the best way to think of it all right now we're going to talk a bit more about dna so first is the DNA polymerases, polymerases, I'm so saying that wrong, but it can make a copy of a single DNA strand. Um, so yeah, that's what it does. Nucleases um, cuts the DNA molecule in specific locations. Um, and legacies, People are going to judge me for how I'm saying this. Um, they can join two different DNA strands together, end to end. All right, so basically it's what seems to be a single nucleotide polymorphism is when a nucleotide in the genome goes through a substitution from a mutation that affects a wide population of people. That seems to be what it means. All right, next, what is a point mutation? Point mutations create the single nucleotide polymorphism, which is what I thought. I didn't know it was point mutations, though. So a point mutation is... Yeah, okay, so it's pretty much what I said um, earlier. A point mutation occurs where there's a single base pair, and it's either substituted or deleted entirely. I didn't know the deleted part. It's either substituted or deleted. And... Yeah, so the cause of a, what was it called? It's a really long, so the cause of a single nucleotide polymorphism is caused by a point mutation that is widely affected, that has widely affected a large percent of the population.
Ta-da! Look at us. All right, and that is chapter one. Um, chapter one is pretty short compared to the other chapters. Like in class, at least, we did chapter one in a day, and then everything else took like a few weeks. So this will probably be the shortest podcast. Um, this is really fun. I'm definitely going to continue this, and it inspires me to study more. So we'll see if this helps my grade. Bye!